Hello and welcome to Talking HE. My name is Santanu Vasant. Coming up in this episode, I talk to Kate Lindsay, former head of technology enhanced learning at Oxford University. We discuss some of the challenges of online learning, including isolation and motivation, and some of the ways in which learning design can overcome these challenges. We hope you enjoy this episode. My name is Kate Lindsay. I'm Head of Digital Education at the University College of Estate Management. UCM is the leading provider of online learning for the built environment. We are a fully online university and we are founded in 1919 by Royal Charter. And over that period, we've moved from a correspondence university to fully online. We have around 4,000 part-time students studying with us at any one time from over 120 countries. Thank you, Kate, for taking part. I'd like to ask you what you see as the challenges to online learning. Thank you. That's that's a great question. Um, so I've I've been at UCM two years, and I think what the institution has has learned about the challenges of online learning comes from our own observations of teaching online and our student feedback and working with our students, but also a great body of growing research in the field and what's become really clear is what we know now about online learning is really not what we knew 10 years ago. We found that whilst online learning provides students with much more opportunities around flexibility and that's really why many of our students study with us, the vast majority are in employment, are mature students with other life responsibilities. Whilst it provides them with those opportunities, it also provides them with a lot more challenges to learn. Um, especially in terms of self-regulation for study, time management, juggling their responsibilities, but also in developing the motivation to learn and the digital capabilities to be successful online learners. And in addition, we found our observations and, and what the research tells us is that many online learners can also refer to their experience as quite a lonely one. There's a lack of a sense of community and a sense of support that they may have experienced in a more formal on-ground educational model. And all of this together has been linked to much higher attrition rates for online Mm. students. Mm. So that really is um, some of the key challenges that we face when we're designing online learning. But there's also the ones around sort of um, looking at online very differently to what you may find in a in an on-ground institution and the physicality that comes with that. There's been a lot of talk recently, especially, you know, the shift to online since COVID-19, where Mm. we've used analogy of buildings to reflect on what becomes lost. And actually we think it's not necessarily the being in a building, it's the qualities that that provides. So we're thinking about things like tangibility, When learning resources are accessed from the web and we view them through a screen, we sort of lose the knowledge that comes through holding a physical object in our hands like a book, uh, the ability to gauge how long it will take you to read it, um, get a sense of how to engage with it. And there's also a lot of research to show that when we undertake activities online, such as reading and focus, they're they're dealt with very differently by our brain on the screen. Um, I think it's the research says it can take 20% longer to read something online than it does sort of uh, holding a physical artifact in your hands. And we also lose the 
cues that prepare us how to learn in specific ways. So, you know, when you walk into a room on your campus university and all the chairs mm. are set out in rows mm. and you have a podium at the front, you know that it's going to be a sort of lecture style event. Or if you walk into a room and it's round tables and, um, you know, big sheets of paper and post-it notes, you know, it's going to be more of a workshop. And we don't really, really have that online. And this can all result in a feeling of disorientation, feeling lost. And it can also give rise to that loss of presence online. And that's yeah. something we found that that is really, really important, just as it is on ground. It's that the, the most important thing online is tutor presence and presence of your peers. And so that's a real challenge that we face is developing that community. Hmm, that's really interesting. I'd like to know a little bit more about how you design for that sense of community. Well, I joined UCM at a point when we were undertaking quite a big transformational project to redesign how we uh, deliver our, our online educational model, which really addresses all of those challenges. That was the aim. It was to make the online learning as flexible, as inclusive, as accessible and as present as we possibly could. So the, the first thing that we did was to develop a framework which would help us focus our design and that educational framework has three elements. The first is focusing on what we call student outcome led design. The, so to ensure that everything that our students encounter on their modules is aligned to their learning outcomes and to their assessments and not just aligned, they're told why it aligns, uh, why it's important and you know how it will help them be successful in their assessments and also successful in their practice. And this really helps those students who are time poor um, and struggling to fit everything in with their studies. The second aspect of the educational framework is to focus on online presence, so to focus on that community and really sort of dig a bit deeper into how we can get synchronous and asynchronous um, activities working together to build a sense of community and looking at some of the events that go around the edges of that. So what do we do when students join us without, you know, an on-ground freshers week? How do we deal with graduation mm. ceremonies? Things like that. And the third aspect of that educational framework is the pedagogy. And the pedagogy that we have chosen is, is what we're calling participatory pedagogy. So that really adopts what you traditionally call active pedagogies and um, mm. experimental pedagogies. So a lot of our students are already working in the built environment in some way and that they're taking their courses with us for career enhancement or a bit of career change. And we, we want to ensure that their learning is really authentic and it replicates what they may be asked to do in the workplace. So those three areas of our educational framework, um, learning design, online presence and pedagogy really focus the design of our modules. And that goes through our whole design process. We work very much as a team. So over the past two years with each module team, we've held a what we call a design jam. And this is based on the UC, um, UCL ABC framework, which I know many people listening to this will be familiar with. But we pull together um, academic experts, subject matter experts, learning designers, accessibility experts, um, media production library, all into a room over a couple of days to storyboard the student learning experience. And we storyboard it in a way that uses the learning types that are most applicable to our students. So 
whilst we have we still have reading and we still have watching videos and we still have listening to podcasts we we want to wrap um, a lot more scaffolding around that to support students know where they are in their learning so we, we we won't just ask students to read something we'll we'll ask them to read it and reflect on a series of questions as they do so and then maybe go and have a discussion or go on a paddler board or or something after that so there's a series of steps to each activities that they work through and we also embed quite a lot of reflective practice and opportunities to practice skills that there'd be asked to do in the workplace like valuations or calculations or um, drawing designs of buildings for example so and after the storyboarding approach we then use a set of templates now these templates are really important we use them for authoring so our academic team um, author the I guess the learning content but also the module narrative and we support them how to get tutor voice through that and make things as you know inclusive and as accessible as possible but what the templates do is they provide consistency for our students so mm. each week there is a you know, weekly overview and then the week has a series of activities and each activity will have an introduction which says the learning points that it will cover and then it will go through a series of steps and at the end of the week there's um, a reflective piece for the students and the tutor will provide a wrap-up for that week um, and that is consistent across all our modules and that really helps with the the sort of the tangibility challenges mm. that we've encountered and mm. we've it's important to put on things like if there is reading or watching a video to to make and give students an idea of how long it will take them to do that. So we, we we have tools that we use online that calculate reading time or we'll say the length of the video and, and things like that. It helps them plan their their studies. That's that's really interesting to know, especially as as more universities are, are in this um uh, predicament due to the pandemic and and also you know moving towards that kind of model and thinking what universities look like um, post um, post pandemic uh, yeah. and the kind of lessons that that, that, that are learnt um, some of these things that you you mentioned um, we we also do at the University of East London where where I work um, to to a greater or lesser extent, but maybe not in the same mm. uh, precise way, because you know we still have the the option of of on campus. So there's a there's a sliding scale, but but you you have to probably be a lot more precise and mm. uh, directed um, uh, and um, intended with your with your yeah. designs um, because of the nature of your. Um, your institution being online and I think that's one of the that's another challenge actually that you've raised there is that fully online education it, it all needs to be front-loaded especially for our model which where we we enable students to take flexible pathways um, through their studies so they don't they don't have to approach their modules on a week-by-week -week learning basis we put in a timetable for them for those who want a structured approach but they can go ahead of you know ahead of the learning weeks or they can fall behind students also have you know, sort of a seven-day wild card they can use each semester to hand an assignment late they can resubmit so it's, it's quite a flexible approach but that means that everything has to be front-loaded and available to them from day one Mm. And that means that everything that we develop, we author, it, it's a lot more visible, it's a lot more accountable. And the academic teams who who author all this wonderful content and the student learning activities, it goes through quite a rigorous, you know, quality control and editorial process to make sure that it's 
it's all right on the module because you know that the content that's there represents who we we are and our values and our behaviors so it that is something that is quite different from um, an on-ground university yeah that's really interesting to know um and i'm guessing there's a similar narrative that a somebody from the open university would give a similar um, yeah. picture but, but not mm. to a certain extent how how would you you know how would you say to um uh, to those that say that the subjects that you teach can't be taught online well in my experience i found that question emerges from actually another question that goes something along the lines of this is how I teach this topic right now how can I mirror that online which isn't really the right place to start and it carries a number of assumptions that mm. need to be tested mm. before taking the position that yeah, sure. something that's perhaps an on-ground practical subject is the most appropriate teaching approach and it really needs to be stripped right back um, and are, we need to ask what the educational outcomes are. So that's what I would ask to someone who asked me that question. I'd say, what are the educational outcomes? What is it you want your students to be able to know and do? And then I would ask them what the knowledge and skills and attributes required to make that happen were and whether these have actually changed in the COVID-19 world. Have new skills emerged that students need to do, develop to be successful? And then it's a case of look, exploring with them the opportunities to create that online in a way that is authentic to the context we mustn't presume that online is somehow not authentic and that by changing the location of that learning makes it less valuable i mean consider this like in the immediate future or, or right now even are doctors likely to be required to provide some services through an online digital platform and the answer is yes and then preparing your students to do that on your course can actually help prepare them for the future. So I think to get the answer to that question, which I know I haven't answered specifically, um, we need to work through a series of other questions and challenge a series of assumptions. And yeah, and then, then we can make the point of if a subject or a topic can be taught online or it can't. So in terms of um, you know, your, your student kind of support out in terms of um, their 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 well-being. Um, how how does um, your institution deal with with, with that in terms of um, the, the design and the kind of wraparound services? Yes, absolutely. Well, we have uh, we have the same services that any other university would have, but they are online and available via phone as well. So we have a a well-being and a disability unit we have academic support tutors who work on all our modules alongside the um the academic uh delivery team so that the support tutors really support students who are who are perhaps falling behind or they need to enhance their study skills or they need to come up with a, a better sort of time management plan and they can support them in all those areas and they're sort of they're, they're the ones who sort of notice if students are perhaps not um haven't logged in maybe for 10 days and they'll check up on them and see if they're okay and, and things like that. Mm. Um, we have careers service, we have virtual careers fair. This year we um, introduced a welcome week for students and that was it's the first time we've done it. It was a two-week event. We didn't want to do a, a kind of a freshers fair thing because that's not really who our students are and we, we, didn't, re we didn't really think it was very authentic to bring many of the activities you may mm. have in a mm. traditional freshers yeah. online. Yeah. But what that, that two weeks did was we provided um, introductory sessions on, you know, 
online learning, what it meant, how students could get support. Uh, students were able to meet the programme leaders, module tutors. And we also had some really great sessions um, from experts in the field on diversity and sustainability, which are two themes that run throughout all of our educational provisions. So sort of starting the conversation with them and starting to build that community. Because mm. I think what we have we've really learned is that well-being well-being is is supported through community and we want to build that community right from the start. We do have an additional yeah. challenge in our specific subject area. The built environment, uh, especially the construction industry, has incredibly high levels of um, mental illness. Mm, and that's right, actually, yeah. men, men in the construction mm. industry, I think, are three times more likely to commit suicide than the average man. So it's something that is really, really um, mm. on our radar. And we run a lot of well-being awareness events and mental health awareness events. We have um, mental health practitioners employed with us and outreach officers. So, mm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. My my former line manager, Professor Charles Egbe, who's now the vice chancellor of um, Leeds Trinity, is the um, president of your of the uh, the Chartered Institute for Building. Uh, and is um, is the um, is a is a national and international champion yes. on on this particular area. Yes, and has talked very to important. length about it. Yeah, um, very so, important role. So yes, it's a yes. He's um, he's talked to me at, at length uh, in the past about these mm -hmm. things. Um, uh, and yes, I'm very well very aware of of that specific um, uh, nature in, um, in in construction, especially, um, and some of the challenges that that are still faced. Uh, in that area. So how do you go about teaching your modules? Well each module has um, a module leader and depending on the, the size of the module, some of our modules go up to 400 plus students, we'll have a number of um, other tutors supporting that module leader on the module and we have our academic support tutors who help students with study skills. Um, it, it kind of depends on the, the size of the module. What's quite good about the online module is that it makes teaching quite scalable. So we make a lot of use of cohort feedback. Um, we have weekly learning activities that often require um, discussion or invite students to post in forums or crowdsource information and post it on a Padlet board or undertake quizzes or um, exercises. And it's impossible to give back um, to all of those students. So we, we take more of an approach whereby we'll review all the contributions for a week and we'll, we'll address the cohort of students in a weekly wrap up giving good examples or supporting students where we're seeing that there's, there's um, a threshold concept or something that that students are continuously just really struggling with. Um, and we put in lots of um, evaluation points within our students if there's anything they're particularly confused about so we can pick that up and maybe address that just in time in short videos. Um, we also make quite a lot of use of audio and video feedback and that's a new thing for this year but something that the tutors are really enjoying those who are adopting it and they're saying it, it it's actually a time saver for them it's much quicker to to give a, a response via video or audio on a forum than it is to write it and of course that you know that builds that online presence as well and having a person yes, it, yes. it makes it much more um I don't know, it, it makes it much more personal even if it's cohort feedback and and the students do appreciate that as well 
And the other challenge we have for teaching is our flexible model. So we can't expect stu all students to be at the same point throughout their modules as you may do maybe in a, a more structured um, on ground course. So what we try, none of our webinar sessions, our lectures or our seminars, none of them are compulsory, they're all optional. So what we, we're trying to increasingly do is that whenever we have sort of a live timetabled event, um, make, that might be a workshop or a seminar or a lecture, we try to build in an asynchronous equivalent and so then, so if there's a debate online, we'll also set up that debate in a discussion forum. And then by the end of that, by the end of a period, we'll let the discussion forum run for a while. We'll be able to give sort of summarise that and feed that back to all the students. Thank you to Kate Lindsay for her time. Coming up next time on Talking HE, we speak to Professors Sally Brown and Kay Samble about assessment and feedback. A preview coming up. My name's Sally Brown. I'm semi-retired now and I've been obsessional about assessment and feedback for probably about 40 years. I had the privilege of working with Kay when she was at University of Northumbria and somehow or other we've kept writing together and in fact we are currently all through lockdown we've been writing and talking about feedback and assessment all the way through uh, and we are still doing it. Kay. Who are you? So I'm Kay Sambell. I've uh, equally been passionate about assessment. Assessment for learning particularly is my bag. Um, and I had the privilege of working both with Sally and Liz McDowell um, at uh, Northumbria University um, and look back fondly to the days when we had a Centre for Excellence in Assessment for Learning at Northumbria, where we did some really pioneering work around assessment for learning and how to embed it in the curriculum. Um, so I go back quite a long way with the and, and very passionately about the whole assessment for learning debate and I'm really looking forward to talking to people today about it. All that and more in the next episode of Talking HE. Until then, thanks for listening. I've been Santini Vasant and this has been Talking HE.